Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Send messages to the show at goforgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can also Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for can You also can hit us up on the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan as we talk sports and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Terrell Brown of the Oakland Raiders. Terrell, about to be a free agent. We're going to talk to him about his free agency. He also has a clothing line out there. We're going to talk to Terrell about that. Also, Gerald Lee Wesley, actor, one of the stars of the hit show Power, will be joining us. Uh, we're going to talk to Gerald about Power. Talk to Gerald about Gerald played football in college, played at the University of Kentucky. So we're going to talk to Gerald uh, about all that. And also, draft-eligible prospect, uh, guy who did it on the FCS, FCS level, uh, a guy who did it well on the FCS level, Dante McCoy will be joining us, and we're going to talk to Dante about his preparation for the upcoming NFL draft. Great show. Stick around. You'll love it. I prepared. I was prepared to talk about all these other things. But i got to start right here, right now. Mayweather, Pacquiao, signed, sealed, delivered, May 2nd, MGM Graham, Las Vegas, Nevada. It took a long time. It took about four years, four or five years to get this in place. We thought we were there back in 2010. Then we had issues with blood testing and testing, uh, you know, this close to the fight and that close to the fight and so on and so forth. We've had a bunch of twists and turns that we all thought, hey, it was going to be announced Super Bowl weekend. Hey, it was going to be announced. All-Star Weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend. Hey, it was going to be announced yesterday. My thought it was going to be announced on Floyd's birthday, which is uh, uh, February 24th. But it was finally announced today. Mayweather sent it out on his app, Shots. And, and it's, it's, it's real. It's, 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 it's here. And it's been a long time, man. I mean, if you love the sport of boxing, and this is the type of fight that just, you know, crosses, you know, uh, the casual sports fan uh, or even non-sports fans are into this fight. This is the best of the best in our era, the top two pound-for-pound pound guys in the sport. The top two pound-for-pound pound guys in the sport, Pacquiao, Mayweather, the two best guys 
in the sport, what, over the last, what? I guess you say 10 years. I mean, both of these guys have been at the top of their game. Both of these guys have been highly successful. Both of these guys have beaten everybody. Pacquiao, Cole, I mean, they've beaten Cota. Um, they've beaten, Con, uh, not Khan, they've beaten Hatton, Ricky Hatton. They've beaten them all, except each other. Except each other. They beat Marquez, even though Marquez won that one. Marquez got a victory against Pacquiao. They've beaten a lot of the common opponents. Now it's time for these two to collide. It's time for these two to settle. What we've been waiting for is it's time for these guys to determine who is the best. Who is the pound-for-pound best. This is the biggest fight in the sport of boxing that can be made. This is going to be the biggest fight in the history of the sport. And who knows? Maybe they'll just ride out with a trilogy of some sort. Who knows? I mean, but this is the fight we've been waiting for. This is a super fight. This doesn't get any super than this fight right here. These guys are both going to get paid. These guys, I mean... I'm hearing that the pay-per-view might be $89.99 for standard definition and probably $99, you know, an additional $10 for high definition. So you're talking about a $100 fight. But a lot of people are going to buy it. Three, four million, probably going to buy it. Well, the 2.5 million is the record. Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather set that record a few years back. We waited for this, man. Is it, and I, in terms of predictions and who's going to win this fight, and you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Floyd Mayweather has had a lot of success in his career, Manny Pacquiao as well, and Floyd Mayweather has had some issues with southpaws. We'll see if that comes into play this time around. We shall see. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. May 2nd, MGM Grand Casino. It is Mayweather, Pacquiao. Finally, it has been signed. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a guy preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. Dante McCoy will be joining us. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had... Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get nah. your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. And we're back. We're about to bring in a guy now preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. It is right around the corner. This guy is preparing for it. He's got a pro day coming up. He's got a regional combine coming up. 
So he's got a lot of things coming up, and he's going to be a busy man in the month of March. Excuse me. Let's bring him in now. Former safety for Illinois State, Dante McCoy. Dante. How are you doing? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Dante, as we said, you got your pro day coming up and a re- your regional combine coming up. You're a small school guy. Talk about uh, the pressure and talk about your preparation for the combine. First of all, talk about the preparation. Uh, I've been preparing real hard. Um, right now I'm currently working out at a facility called Acceleration in Naperville. Um, I'm working out with two real real good trainers, um, J.R. and Mike um, Niklos. Um, they're real good. They they really know what they're talking about. Um, as far as the preparation, man, I've been going hard every day. Uh, putting, I've been putting in a lot of work, been building up a lot of confidence. Um, I feel ready and prepared for the upcoming combine and the pro day, definitely. And as we said, you're a small school guy, so this is your opportunity to show out, to, to show everybody what you can do. Let me ask you this. There's got to be a lot of pressure. Talk about your approach to this whole thing mentally. Uh, mentally, man, I'm – I mean, it's it's, pre- it's definitely pressure there just because, you know, I'm in a position where, you know, I can 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 um potentially live out my dream of making it to the NFL, making it to the next level. It's been a childhood dream of mine ever since I was young. Um, but I don't try to I don't try to have too much pressure. I just, you know, continue to work hard, continue to stay prayed up, you know, and just I'm just gonna believe in the, you know, God given talents and abilities that he's given me and I'm gonna go out there and uh continually, you know, work hard every day up until my pro day coming, up until my combine coming. When um, when those days do come, I'll be prepared to show the scouts, you know, what I have to offer to them and what I have, you know, what I have to offer to the teams. Now, Dante, there are some out there who may not have seen you play, and for those who may not have seen you play, talk about your game, talk about your style of play. Oh man, um, basically, man, I'm at safety. I pride myself on being a short tackler. Um, okay. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't miss very many. Very many tackles, you know, and that's that's definitely what I pride myself on. But I could do it. I, I could do it all at safety, you know. Whatever they need me to do, not even just at safety, but at any position. So I'm I'm ready and willing to play whatever you know the scouts have prepared for me to play. If it, rather it's special teams, running down on kickoff, whatever. But you know, I I have I have the speed. You know, I'm a I play physical. I love to play physical, and I definitely have range too. And um, that'll be something that I'll be able to. That's something that I look forward to showing the scouts. You know, when it comes time that if I make it to the next level. Now, is, is there a particular safety or a particular player that you compare yourself to that's on the next level at this point? Um, you know, I don't, I don't try too much to compare myself, but okay. some, somebody that I really look up to and I can, you know, see myself, you know, like playing out the. Um, I really love to watch Cam Chancellor. You know, just the tenacity and the, and, the, and the effort that he brings to each game. You know, his physicality, the way that he he's a short tackler to me. You know, and um, you don't see him miss very many very many tackles, and he likes to uphold his will on the opponent, and that's the type of attitude that I bring to the game each and every day. Like, I feel like at safety, you know, you got to be – you you got to play the game by the rules, you know, but you have to be a headhunter. You got to be an enforcer. You know, you have to be somebody that's, that's willing to go out there and, and, and continually make tackles for your team and, and, and just be a sure tackler and be somebody that instills fear into the opponent's heart. And that's the, type of, that's the type of game that I love to play. Essentially a no-fly zone pretty much, right? Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> We're talking to former Illinois State safety Dante McCoy. Now, Dante, you talked about your abilities, and you talked about your abilities to play special teams. Man, you blocked three kicks, you blocked a couple punts in 2012. What is your secret, man? What is your, how are you blocking all these punts and these kicks? 
Oh man, um, coming coming from our school, Coach uh, Coach Lunov, he definitely he's our special team coordinator. He definitely um, put me in a position to where I was able to block a lot of those kicks. But it's you know it's a lot of techniques that we go over in practice and things like that. You know, dipping your shoulder and, and running right and running through running through the block point, not running to the block point, but running through the block point. And um, you know, I love I love doing it all. I just love the game of football. So. If it's me being on punt, if they want me to go block a punt, I'll do that. If they want me to run down on punt, run down on kickoff, play on play on kickoff return to go block somebody. You know, I'm I'm ready for whatever. I'm down to do anything. I just want to be out there playing playing the sport I love. And as we said, you played for Illinois State last year. You finally, you guys finally got an FCS national title. You had a big time performance. You had 12 tackles in that particular game. What did that game mean to you? Oh man, that game meant a lot for me. But you know, that was the first time that our team has, has ever made it to a national championship game, and um, it just shows like that just shows off all the hard work that we put up, put in in the off season and during the summer camp, you know, and during spring ball and all of that. It was just it was a humbling moment. It was a humbling experience, and I, you know, I would never forget that. I would never take it for granted, you know, that we made it to the SPS national championship game, and that, that's something that a lot of people won't be able to say that they did in their life. And just to be able to do that, you know, I definitely thank God for that, and it just. It's a true testament of how hard the, the team and everybody, how much work everybody put in to get to that position and where we was at. We're talking to former Illinois State safety, Dante McCoy. Now, Dante, a lot of things I'm hearing about you is your leadership ability. You were a captain last year. Uh, talk about your leadership ability, man, and, and where did it come from? Oh, uh, man, just, I mean, I heard it. I, I've been told I've been a leader all my life, you know, from, from like, my teachers and coming up as from my youth, like teachers and stuff like that, like they'd be like, watch what you do because, you know, a lot of guys watching you and, you know, you have an influence on people. And, um, you know, I never really paid too much attention to it, but as I got older, you know, I, you know, I can just, I can feel, I can feel some of my, my teammates and just my friends around me, you know, just, just feeding off my energy. And far as like with football, come like, I just want to be able to motivate my teammates, you know, and I want everybody, I feel like everybody on the team, you know, have a, have an inner beast inside of them when it comes to playing football. And, you know, I feel like if I just can motivate them, if I motiv- you know, motivate myself and motivate them, they can bring out that inner beast in them too. And we can all do something special together if we can, you know, just feed off each other's energy and motivate each other. So when it comes to leadership, it's, you know, that's, it's just something that I feel like God just gave me and it's just something natural. You know, I, I never had to really try to be a leader. I just I just be me. I try to be me. And, you know, as far as, as being a captain and everything, you know, I, the teammates, I got to give a big shout-out to my teammates because we vote on who our captains was. You know, it's, that's one of the highest honors for your peers and for your teammates to vote you as a captain. You know, I never take that for granted. That's, that shows a lot of love and respect that my teammates have for me. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be in that position of being a captain or anything like that if it wasn't for those guys. So I definitely shout them out for that. And, yeah, like I said, you know, being a leader is something that just came natural to me. For sure. And you are an Illinois guy, so are you a Bears fan? Were you a Bears fan? Oh, yes, sir. I'm definitely a Bears fan. Okay. <laughs> definitely a Bears fan. I've been one all my life. What would that mean if the Bears gave you a call? Oh, man, it would mean a lot to me, man. It would definitely be a dream come true. Um, it would be, be a be very exciting to play for your hometown team, definitely. So they gave me a call, man. You know, I'd definitely be happy. As a whole, why should any team give Dante McCoy an opportunity? I feel like you know, if a team wants somebody that's going to bring hard work, great work ethic to that team, you know, that's, that's going to be a stand-up guy, you know, and that's going, that's going to motivate not only himself but his teammates, you know, to, to be the best that they can be, 
and to all have that one goal and their ultimate goal is to, you know, win a championship and and compete at the highest level, then I feel like, you know, and somebody that's just going to give it his all at 100% on every snap, on every play, you know, when it's rather it's practice. I'm a very, I'm a very big competitor, so I like, I love to compete a lot. So, you know, I'm going, I'm going to give 110 percent each and every day, and you're not going to get nothing less. And you know, and, and just somebody that has a true passion for the game. I love the game of football, and I don't ever want to disrespect it, or you know, what I'm saying in any type of way. So, with my play and how hard I'm going to play and how hard I'm going to work, you're going to see how much I really love it by how I play and how I and how I prepare. So, you know, I would really. I would want them to give me a chance just so I can let my, my game and, and how hard I work speak for itself rather than me talk about it. So any team out there, you know, that that's willing to take a shot on me, you definitely won't be – you won't regret it. What are the things that you feel like you need to work on to be successful in the next level? Um, it's, it's always something that, you know, that you can work on. Rather, it's, you know, just working on little, little tweaking little techniques. and I can, t- I can continue. I can always do, do more, you know – Watching film, I always do more, more you know, footwork drills and things like that. Just to because you can never be, you can never be, be too, um, you know, too perfect at doing something. So sure. you'll never be perfect. So I, I will continue to, you know, I, I I strive and continue to get better at everything I do. So I'm gonna continue to do field work, you know, to work on my feet more. You know, I'm gonna continually watch more and more film and do things like that and continually break down film. You know, just to perfect my craft you know i'm a perfectionist so i want to perfect my craft and anything that i can do you know any any tips or anything that any that any um veteran have for me or anything like that you know i like to soak in information from veterans and i and i'm good at soaking in information like a sponge so my ears are always willing to open the head you know i'm i'm good at taking criticism so i want to know what i'm doing wrong and not what i'm doing right in order so that i can correct myself and be the best player that i can potentially be so we expect to see you we expect to see you uh on an NFL roster this fall? Man, Lord willing, that's what I'm looking forward to, man. That's that's what I'm going to believe in. So I'm going to just let my hard work and everything show for itself come time for the combine and come time for my pro day, and hopefully somebody take a shot on me. For sure. Dante, you are on Twitter. Where can, where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, um, D-T-A-E, so D-T-A-E underscore McCoy 3. So fans, support his journey, support all the great things going on with Dante McCoy. Dante, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Man, thanks a lot, Paul. I really appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Uh, You too. Dante McCoy, former safety, Illinois State, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft, which is right around the corner. Let me go back to Mayweather and Pacquiao now. I mean, this is a fight that really – we we've all been waiting for it, and it's there was times where you're like, this is not going to happen. There was times where you were saying to yourself, maybe it's just not meant to be, maybe it's not. But these two, these two warriors, these two pound for pound kings, these two guys are have been at the top of the sport for about the last ten years. And, and so now the opportunity is to hold it, is in front of them. The opportunity now for these two guys to prove who is the best. And, you know, like I said, there were, there were moments that you didn't think it was going to happen. But here's, I think, what made it happen, public pressure. 
And the reality of it is this. Floyd wasn't doing the same type of pay-per-view numbers that he was doing without Pacquiao, and Pacquiao wasn't doing the same type of pay-per-view numbers that he was doing in the past. Both of these guys' pay-per-view numbers were slipping. Floyd still was the top, but the numbers were slipping. The numbers weren't the same. Canelo Alvarez, you know, he did big-time business with that particular fight, but Maidana and Guerrero, both Maidana's fights, both Maidana fights and Guerrero, I mean, there, there's reports that he didn't do over a million, did about 900,000 per fight. So, I mean, that's still huge numbers, but it wasn't Floyd-type numbers. It was huge, but it wasn't the type of numbers we've heard and seen from Floyd Mayweather. It wasn't. And so now, these two, and, and it's, you know, some people kept saying it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. It wasn't too late. I mean, Pacquiao got dropped by Marquez, and we were saying, oh, no. At least I was saying, oh, no, maybe that messes up this fight. Maybe we won't see the fight after that. But no. Pacquiao was able to rebound from that particular fight, beat a Brandon Rios, beat a Timothy Bradley, and then beat a Chris Algieri. So he won three fights in a row, and Mayweather, of course, kept winning. And at that point, we were saying it's time. It's time. It's time. And, and this was the time to do it. It was the time to do it because, you know, ultimately these two needed each other. They needed each other. And this was the time. The fight was, again, building and building, and it, and it built to this particular level now where we're saying, okay, this, it, it's big, and people are going to still buy it, and people are still going to love it, and people are still going to support it. People are definitely going to buy it. People definitely are going to love it, and people definitely are going to support it. I mean, this is going to be an epic situation. This is the type of coverage we've seen from boxers from boxing in the past. It's going to get a lot of mainstream coverage. This is great for the sport of boxing. This is the fight that had to be made in the sport. This was the fight. And now, you know, this, this is it. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know what the first fight's going to look like, but I'd like to see it again. And i like to see it again. Give it to me twice. Three times even. I mean, if they get the first fight, let's see the first fight. It's a competitive fight. Let's just say Floyd wins. Split decision, but it's a close, close fight, a razor-thin split decision. Then we got to see this again because people would be willing to pay to see it again. So let's just say a second time around, it's a draw. Then we got to see it again. People are going to pay to see it again. And then at that point, you know, Showtime deal was up for Floyd. And at that point, Floyd can go to the highest bidder. I know Pacquiao still would be under contract with HBO, but at that point, maybe HBO can just swoop in and pay for the whole thing. And they don't have to co, you know, do this production together with Showtime. But Showtime and HBO are together in this particular fight. They were together back in 2002 when you had Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson, both same situation, rival networks the fight that everybody wanted to see in the heavyweight division, the fight that everybody was clamoring for, they got. But this fight's a little different because at the time, Mike Tyson wasn't Mike Tyson. 
Mike Tyson wasn't Mike Tyson. He was a shell of himself. But Manny Pacquiao, he may not be what he was, but he's still great. Floyd Mayweather, he may not be what he was, but he's still great. So this is greatness personified on both sides, both fighters. And this is an opportunity now for boxing to shine. People like to say all the time that boxing's dead. Oh, it's alive and well. It's alive and well. And now with Al Heyman putting boxing back on national TV, that's going to help the sport. It's, it, this is the opportunity for boxing to, to, to get out. You know, it's an opportunity for boxing to, to step up, an opportunity for boxing to assert, assert itself, an opportunity for boxing to show what it's about. This is boxing's opportunity. We'll see if boxing capitalizes on this opportunity. We'll see if boxing does what it needs to do. The, 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 the world is watching. Not only hardcore boxing fans, but mainstream media is watching. I mean, I'm on ESPN.com now, and that was the first story. It's the lead story on the, on the front page. It's the lead story on the front page. And it's hard, you know, they got a bunch of different uh, sections here. In terms of our early picks, it's, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But I'm looking forward to it, man. And I can't wait. The, the countdown continues. And one thing I will say, Mayweather in the past has had problems with Southpaws. And, and, and Pacquiao had a big-time issue with Marquez. Who is a counterpuncher? Floyd is a counterpuncher. Floyd's defense is better than Marquez. So we'll see. Again, can't wait. Looking forward to it. This is greatness, great against great. And we'll see which great comes out on top. Pacquiao Mayweather May 2nd. Should be good. Let's go to the NBA. I mean, the NBA was crazy yesterday. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And I was thinking about going into this trade deadline I didn't expect much. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, you weren't hearing a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you were hearing Goran Dragic's name being thrown around, but that was pretty much it. You, you, you didn't hear a lot, but a lot went down. I mean, some big-time deals went down yesterday. Kevin Garnett goes back to Minnesota. Almost a LeBron James type of situation. I guess the only difference is Kevin Garnett, Garnett is not going back to win. Kevin Garnett, I guess, is going back to be a mentor, if you will. He's not going back to win. He's going back to be a mentor. And maybe Kevin Garnett figured, you know what, this is my opportunity to go home and end it here in the Twin Cities. I had 20 years in this league, and it's time for me to, to, to end it here where it started. And then you have Miami getting a Goran Dragic, which is a big big acquisition. I mean, they get a, a, a bona fide Point guard and Dragic. I mean, twenty-point scorer last year, sixteen-point score, sixteen points per game this year, and so Miami has solidified their point guard position. He's going to be a free agent, and maybe Miami could give him the most money, and maybe he stays in Miami. Should be interesting. But you got the situation with Chris Bosh, and we'll get to that in a moment. You have now MCW Michael Carter Williams going to Milwaukee, three-team deal. Phoenix gets Brandon Knight, Kendall Marshall. Milwaukee gets Michael Carter-Williams, gets Miles Plumley, gets Tyler Ennis, 
and the Sixers, they continue on with the plan. Sam Hinkie in the plan. They continue with the plan. And they continue to, to stockpile assets and stockpile draft picks and continue to stockpile and stockpile and stockpile. They continue that. And so now they get the Lakers pick, the, well, the, the Suns pick, which the Lakers, which is uh, from the Lakers, and it's a top five protected pick. So there is, a, there is the possibility that, hey, if it works out for the Sixers, they can have the number one pick, the number six pick. Uh, we'll see what happens with Miami. There's a possibility that Miami's pick is a top ten protected pick in 2015. There's opportunity for that. And the pick they got for Denver in the JaVale McGee trade, there's an opportunity with that, and that's a top 18 protected pick. So there's a possibility that the Sixers could have four first-round draft picks in 2015. There is a possibility they can have four first-round draft picks in 2015. So that's the Sixers now building and continuing to build and continuing to build. And you don't know what the Sixers, when this thing is going to be. I mean, they've been rebuilding and building and building and building for two years now. Does this take the step back a little bit? Does this uh, extend the rebuilding process? I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens. But the Sixers, I mean, obviously, and, and, you know, I heard Sam Hinkie in the interview, he basically said that, you know, they like Michael Carter-Williams, but they felt like they could get better. To me, it's like, you know, I, I, I got a woman who's a seven, but to me, I feel like I can get better. So I give up on the woman that's a seven. She's good. She treats me right, but I feel like I can do better. So I try to get the 10. And in some respect, you can argue that's what the Sixers are trying to do. They're trying to get the 10. They're trying to get an improvement on the point card position, whether that's D'Angelo Russell, whether that's Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, well, you know, who is it? Is it whether it's one of those guys. So the Sixers and, and Michael Carter-Williams, I'm, I'm interested to see Carter-Williams and what, what he looks like with a team around him, what he looks like when, when he plays on an actual basketball team. Because the Sixers, let's be honest, there's not a lot of pro prospects on the Sixers. There's not a lot of guys who would be success, who would be on other teams in this league. The Sixers are trying to lose. And the funny part is now, you know, the Sixers trade Michael, uh, Michael Carter-Williams, the Knicks shut down Carmelo Anthony, and, and you, you get the sense now that who's going to out-tank who? Who's going to out-tank who? The Sixers, are they going to out-tank the New York Knicks? I mean, the Sixers, who's going to win? Who's going to out-tank who? I mean, Melo is done. Michael Carter-Williams is gone. Two best players on these two teams are gone. Melo gone. Carter-Williams gone. Knicks. A two-game advantage up on the Sixers. They're 10 and 43. The Sixers are 12 and 41. Should be interested to see what that looks like when it's all said and done. Minnesota's out there. So if the season were to end today, Knicks would have the number one record. Uh, Minnesota would have two. Sixers would be three. Lakers would be four. And I don't, you know, Lakers, I don't see them winning. Sacramento is 
five games up on the Lakers. Orlando uh, also about four and a half, or four and a half up on the Lakers. So I, I don't see the Lakers, especially with Kobe Bryant out of the lineup. I don't see the Lakers catching any of those two teams. I don't see the Lakers catching fire. But I don't see the, the Sixers. I mean, I guess there's some winnable games out there, but with with their roster, with their roster, Michael Carter Williams was their best player, and their roster wasn't that great to begin with. It wasn't that great to begin with. But with their roster, you know, tonight they throw out a starting lineup there of uh, Jason Richardson. Jason Richardson is back. Jay Rich. Wow, he's been on sideline forever. Tim Frazier. Nerlens Noel, Bob Mute, and Robert Covington. That is not going to win you a lot of ball games. And quite frankly, Sam Hinkie and the 76ers organization, they're okay with that. They're truly okay with that. They're not going to win a lot of basketball games moving forward. But I don't know how many games the Knicks are going to win. I don't know how many games the Knicks are going to win moving forward. So we're going to see who out-tanks who. This is a battle of tanking. And, and, you know, we can criticize the Sixers in, in making this deal, but I, I'll say this. You know, Michael Carter-Williams is a nice player. He's a nice player. A nice player. Not great. A nice player, rookie of the year. I'll give him that. And you could argue, look, we, we can argue that, hey, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, what are you doing at this point? When are you finally going to put this thing together? It, it's, you know, some could argue, well, you got the rookie of the year, you got a guy who's got a few triple doubles under his belt, a, a, a guy that can rebound the basketball. He's long, six six, not a very good shooter, but a solid and a good point guard in this league. You know, you, you're thinking, okay, where is, is he a building block? I mean, you, you, he's out there on their pro, their promo boards and everything, their billboards and whatnot. So you're thinking this guy is a part of the plan. He's a part of the future. You're thinking that because you see him out there on the promotional stuff. But I guess they had to put somebody out there because he is the best player on the team. But the bottom line is this. I mean, you know, we've seen teams tank and it worked, and we see teams tank and it don't work. I mean, the Rockets, way back when they tanked, got themselves Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon. You know, you, you look at the Boston Celtics. They tanked. Well, the Spurs, they tanked and they got Tim Duncan. They tanked. And they got Tim Duncan. And then you look at the Chicago Bulls, who, I guess in a similar situation, they tanked. And ultimately, in tanking the Chicago Bulls, you know, they they ultimately got themselves Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. What did that get them? Nothing. And they gave up a good player in Elton Brand. So it didn't work for them. We'll get back to that in a moment. When we return, we're going to bring in a guy now who's uh, probably going to be a free agent in the next few weeks. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Terrell Brown of the Oakland Raiders. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can. 
attempt married women, we've seen you you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we've seen what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around to. I, I yeah, just don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. We're about to bring in a guy now who, who was a free agent last year. Ultimately, he signed a one-year deal with the Raiders. And based off of what GM Reggie McKenzie is saying, he's going to be a free agent again. So let's bring him in now, corner for the Oakland Raiders, Terrell Brown. Terrell. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? Man, I'm good. I'm good. No complaints on this end. (laughs) Terrell, at this point, the Raiders will let you test free agency. It looks that way. You're going to be an unrestricted free agent. And based off comments, by Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie, he's saying that he wants to go young in terms of the secondary. Is it safe to say that probably your time in Oakland is done? Oh, you never know. You never know with this business. Sometimes it's like that, but uh, I understand it. Uh, it was a great stop for me, and uh, I just look forward to the next opportunity. Now, you came from a winning situation in San Francisco. You went through some losing times in San Francisco, but the past uh, three seasons in San Francisco, you had a lot of success winning on the football field. How difficult was this losing situation for you? Uh, it definitely was difficult, but, uh, you know, they got a great organization. They're putting pieces together. They're doing the right things to get their team in place to be successful uh, with time, you know. So uh, it was definitely rough this year, but uh, I learned a lot from it, uh, being around a lot of young guys and helping those guys and try to mold them and just show them how to be a professional on and off the field uh, day in and day out. Now, you talked about the Raiders and them building some things. It seems like they may have found their quarterback in Derek Carr moving forward. You feel like the future is bright in Oakland. Yeah, I really think so. I think they have uh, the pieces to the puzzle. It's just about uh, putting them all in in place and getting everybody on the same page. And I think uh, once uh, with the new coach coming in, uh, Jack Del Rio and and the rest of the coaching staff uh, that they're bringing in, uh, they're definitely putting those pieces together. We're talking to Raiders corner Terrell Brown. Terrell, you had a foot injury that eventually shut you down late in the season. As a whole, where you go, what you did on the football field in 2014? Yeah, I was being uh, playing through a fractured foot uh, from the uh, right after what was that? Uh, after we left London and playing through the rest of the season with a fractured foot, I, I really was, you know, to be able to play at a high level still and uh, only give up one touchdown throughout the, the whole football season. Uh, I can't complain about that. I didn't get the interceptions that I wanted, but at the same time, uh, I played well. So I look forward to this uh, this next journey in my life and uh, just take another step, man, and just, just keep playing football. Now, like you said, we don't know what can happen in this situation. Maybe the Raiders will sign you. Who knows? But moving forward, what are you looking for in terms of a team? Uh, just getting somewhere where I'm comfortable, somewhere where uh, we can fight for a playoff bid and, and just go out there and, and, and compete uh, week in and week out. And uh, that's all you can ask for. You know, you just want an opportunity. Uh, and when you get those, you have to seize the moment. Now, you know, you're a Dallas guy. And, you know, yeah, the Cowboys, no I look at the Cowboys situation, they may need some secondary help. Would Dallas be an appealing situation for you? Oh, I would love to come home and uh, uh, play for America's team. I think uh, anybody would uh, love that and love the opportunity. 
you know, uh, but at the same time, I understand it's a business, and I just have to do what's best for me and my family. Now, you went through this whole process last season. Well, talk about the free agency process. Is it something you like? I mean, it's just, or is it just, it is what it is? I think it is what it is. I think you just have to find somewhere where you fit best, uh, find somewhere where you're comfortable, find somewhere where, where you're wanted. And I think once you find that, then the rest of it will take care of itself. Uh, you, your agent, really will take care of the rest of that. But you have to really find a team that really wants you. We're talking to Raiders corner, Terrell Brown. Terrell, I want to go back to the 49ers situation for a moment. Were you surprised how the situation ended with Jim Harbaugh and the Niners? Were you surprised that ultimately uh, Jim Harbaugh is coaching Michigan and not the 49ers? Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely was. Uh, I think uh, it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, we all know that uh, this league, things like that happen. And uh, you just you just got to go through it. And it's something that uh, comes with the territory when you sign up for it. So, what now is going to do with best for them? I think uh, Coach Harbaugh did the same, and um, I look forward to those, both of those guys or both of those teams uh, having some type of success this year. We're talking to Raiders corner Terrell Brown. Now, Terrell, you're doing big things in the community with the Browns Kids Foundation. Talk about your foundation. Um, uh, it's the seventh year we've been doing uh, the Brown Kids Foundation. Uh, we give back to underprivileged kids. We also help single-parent mothers and uh in my community of uh, Mesquite, Texas, and Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's something I've always been passionate about, something that uh, I feel like uh, we b- we're blessed to get the opportunity to play in the NFL, to wear that shield, and just to go out and, and help other people, man. It's, uh, it's something special. Now, Terrell, you're also doing some things with your clothing line. Stuff stronger than you think. Tell us about it. Uh, we're doing – we just started Stud about three years ago, uh, all proceeds, uh, our, it's a non-profit uh, organization. All proceeds will go back to the Mesquite School Districts. Uh, so, yeah, it's just stronger than you think. Something that uh, me, a couple of my family members came up with a while back, and uh, just something that kind of stuck with us, just knowing that, you know, it's not just about football. Uh, it's about life, you know, and, and you're going to have obstacles. You're going to have ups and downs, and it's just about being strong day in and day out and overcoming those obstacles. And so your family came up with that name. Yeah, yeah, we kind of came up with it together. Uh, it was something that, you know, I kind of was writing down. and You know how you just doodle sometimes, not paying attention to what you're writing. And I came up with it, and I, I shot it to my family members. And they thought it was a great idea, and I felt like it would be something that, you know, a lot of people could gravitate towards. And does that does that stronger than you think? Does that, in terms of you, does that uh, show what type of person you are? Are you stronger than people think? I mean, it's oh, no that... doubt. I think uh, just with my story, my story in life, you know, uh, losing both of my parents, uh, going through what I went through uh, uh, as a younger adult, um, it speaks for itself, you know. So I know that I've had times where, you know, I really had to, you know, be strong and, and step up to the plate and, and grow up a lot faster than what I what I really wanted to. But at the same time, man, it was a blessing in disguise and it definitely helped mold me and made me a better person and a better father to this day. So um, I think everybody has that in them. You know, sometimes it's different than others, but uh, it's definitely in us. Now, fans, make sure you support all of the great things going on with Terrell Brown. Go to TerrellBrown.com and, and support his uh, foundation. Support his Stronger Than You Think uh, clothing line. And also hit this man up on Twitter at Terrell Brown 25 and support all the great things going on with Terrell Brown. Terrell, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. You a boxing guy? 
Oh, no doubt. No what, doubt. what do you think about it, Pacquiao Mayweather? Man, I hope so. I think we, uh, we're we all looking forward to seeing it. I think they just got to get the it's, numbers right. But, uh, it's confirmed. We're definitely it's confirmed. all looking forward it's, to seeing it. Oh, yeah? It's confirmed? It's confirmed. Oh, yeah. So I'm there. <laughs> You're going to be in the building. It got got to be. I can't miss that one. May 2nd, MGM Grand, Las Vegas. You better get out there and get your tickets quick. No doubt, no doubt. Who you got? Well, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm gonna I'm go with I'm gonna go with Floyd. I I just think I think he's a, a, a undeniable talent and something that should, he's just hard to beat. I mean, he always finds ways to counterpunch. He always finds ways to to win, and especially with defense. So I think I think Floyd would take it. We'll see. Pleasure talking to you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Terrell Brown, corner for the Oakland Raiders. For now, I don't think he'll be there when free agency starts. And I said the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I would think that would be an opportunity for him, and you know, an opportunity that kind of fits his bill. I mean, he's looking for uh, he's looking for a team that has an opportunity to go to the playoffs. The Cowboys fit that bill, and you know, they are America's team. And also, you know, he's from Texas. He's from Dallas, so he'll be right back home. He'll be right back home. So that to me would seem like a perfect situation for TB Terrell Brown, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Let's go back to the NBA, Chris Bosh. And I'm going to get back to the Sixers in a moment, but I'm going to go to Chris Bosh right now. The Sixers actually lose from 42 to 25. Get used to it, Philadelphia fans. I'm a Philadelphia fan myself. I'm used to it. But anyway, we first of all, we heard earlier this week the, the untimely death and passing of Blazers great Jerome Kersey. He died from a blood clot in his lung. And now, now, we have the situation with Chris Bosch where doctors right now believe that he possibly believe that he may have developed a blood clot in his lung. And at this point, they're still taking tests. And we'll see what the tests have to offer. We'll see what the tests have to offer. And at this point, you know, early results, according to his agent, are inconclusive. So we'll see what happens. I mean, at this point, he's seeing specialists. He's seen a bunch of different guys. If he does, in fact, have a blood clot in his lungs, he's going to be out for the rest of the year. They're saying in terms of the medication that treats a blood clot in your lungs, it takes about six months for it you know, to, to work. You've got to treat the condition for six months with the medicine. So, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, obviously considering – what happened to Jerome Kersey, Blazer, great, you know, a great basketball player throughout the course of his career. I mean, considering what happened to him, you've you got to be concerned. I mean, it's just like, you know, a couple days ago. And now you see this with Chris Bosh, and you see Chris Bosh possibly out for the season. Obviously, it's a blow to the Miami Heat, but more importantly, it's his life that we're talking about, especially when you see a guy like Jerome Kersey uh, pass away from a similar situation. So we hope and pray that Chris Bosh can get through this and that Chris Bosh will, will, I mean, you know, if he plays this year, fine. If he doesn't, you know, who cares? But at the end of the day, you hope that he's good physically, that he's good, and and that he won't, uh, you know, suffer the same situation or or go through the same situation that happened to Jerome Kersey. Well, hopefully it's not a blood clot in the lung, and hopefully it's something that, if it is, that it can be treated and that he can move on and be successful. It can be treated, so hopefully it won't lead uh, to to anything serious for Chris Bosh. But obviously you're the Miami Heat, and, and you're buzzing, you're celebrating, you're happy 
that you got your hands on or Goran Dragic, a, a, a guy who had is having a decent year for Phoenix and was a, one of the big reasons that the Phoenix Suns almost got to the playoffs a year ago. But obviously you add him into the mix now with a Miami Heat team where you had a Hassan Whiteside who's coming up big time and blocking shots and rebounding the basketball and getting it done in and around the basket. You had Chris Bosh who's having a stellar season right now, and he's going to be going up maybe for this season, hopefully not for the Miami Heat, but you got Bosh. You had a you got a starting lineup with of a D Wade, a, a Goran Dragic, a Luau Dang, a Chris Bosch, and a Hassan Whiteside. Obviously, now that's that's a, a an upgrade and that's a you know a starting lineup that's a very formidable. That's a formidable lineup right there if you're the Miami Heat and, and a lineup that you know can be very successful. The Miami Heat twenty two and thirty at this point, the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference at this point in time, more than likely. They're going to make the playoffs. We'll see with Detroit. I mean, Detroit was able to get their hands on the Reg Jackson, were able to reacquire uh, Tayshawn Prince. I mean, the Pistons were busy yesterday. The Pistons, Pistons were a busy team yesterday. Reggie Jackson, I mean, Brandon Jennings is out for the year, so you got a chance of Reggie Jackson. Hopefully he can step in and, and get you some decent minutes. And you also get a Tayshawn Prince back. So, We'll see what happens with the Detroit Pistons, and hopefully for them they can, you know, change things and, and ultimately make a push for the playoffs because you thought with Brandon Jennings was in there that they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I thought for sure they were going to make the playoffs. But anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely see what happens. And, you know, you, you look at the whole situation now with the Miami Heat. It's tough. It's tough losing out. Your guy like Chris Bosh, you know, 21 points a game, missing that in your lineup. You know, that's going to be difficult to replace. And, you know, with, with them, with Bosh in the mix, they're a dangerous basketball team with Chris Bosh. They become a dangerous basketball team for sure. Now with Bosh out of there, I mean, you know, they're, they're probably they were going to probably be a first-round exit anyway if I'm, you know, just watching the season and just – based off the way they're playing, but but you never know. You never know. And Chris Bosh, again, 21 points per game is now out of your lineup. And Goran Dragic, maybe he can replace that. He definitely can. He was a 20-point scorer last year and a 16-points-per-game scorer this year. So he definitely can replace it. The question becomes, now, can the Miami Heat? Here's, here's the big question. Chris Bosh. That that's that, that's the question. If Chris Bosh can get right, you're okay. And you're going to be a dangerous team. If not, you're still, you know, maybe competitive, but you're not beating any team any of the top teams in the East in the first round. I don't see it. But we'll see. Should be interesting, but a great move by the Miami Heat to get themselves a point guard. And Pat Riley, and I thought the team was poised and ready to be a 15-win team coming into this season. But, they, you know, Pat Riley is, is making moves now for the Miami Heat. And, you know, they, they are putting themselves in position to be scary in the Eastern Conference. And it would, maybe with Chris Bosh, maybe upset someone. Who knows? If Chris Bosh and, you know, and uh, uh, the Miami Heat can all come back and be successful together. I want to go back to the Philadelphia 76ers now and – the plan, Sam Hankey and his plan. 
his plan to to reconfigure and make the Sixers a competitive team. His plan, that plan that he had, that he wanted to put together, that plan that was supposed to bring the Sixers and make the Sixers a championship basketball team, the plan, the plan to basically tank for two, possibly three seasons, and with the hope that you can get big-time players in the draft, with the hope that you can uh, ultimately build this team through the draft, or if not build it through the draft, use you know get a bunch of assets with the hope that you can parlay those assets into something bigger, something better, something greater. And so this plan, and, and uh, you know, I think most Sixers fans are on board with the plan. I think most Sixers, I mean, obviously they're not coming out watching it, and I can't blame them for that. But most Sixers fans are on board with the plan. They're on board with the plan and on board with what Sam Hinkie is trying to do for the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're losing, they're tanking. And then they're, they're just trying to do what they can do to, you know, be bad, but at the same time, build assets that have cap space and ultimately, you know, make a run at this thing. And I remember, you remember the baby bulls, Eddie, Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler a few years back. And with those baby bulls, you know, you thought that the Chicago Bulls, you know, their plan was hopefully for them to kind of have and build around that front court of, of Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Build a front court and build a team, you know, around those two guys. And, you know, you look at the Bulls. You know, they had Elton Brand in the mix. You know, they drafted Eddie Curry. They had Elton Brand. And Elton Brand was 20 and 10 his first two seasons in this league. And so the Bulls at that point, you know, obviously 20 and 10 is 20 and 10, but the Bulls, they liked Elton Brand. But I guess they wanted and felt like they can upgrade and get better. And so they took a plunge. And they traded Elton Brand, his 20 and 10, to the L.A. Clippers for the rights of Tyson Chandler. And so the Bulls felt like, you know what? You know, the Bulls were a team obviously coming off the Jordan years. They weren't necessarily tanking, but they were a bad basketball team. And so they're now, they were trying, and they felt just like the Sixers, Michael Carter-Williams, rookie of the year, who had a very successful rookie season, a guy who really wasn't surrounded with a lot of talent, you know, they were, they're figuring, okay, he was good, but we can get better. We can get better. And so, because they thought they can get better, whether that's in the draft, whether that's free agency, whether that's any place, because they thought they could get better and do better at the point guard spot, <coughs> excuse me, they decided to trade Michael Carter-Williams in a three-team deal just like the Bulls decided to trade Elton Brand, 20 and 10. The Bulls traded 20 and 10 and Elton Brand, rookie of the year, Elton Brand. They got rid of that. 20 and 10 wasn't good enough for the Chicago Bulls. 20 and 10 wasn't good enough 
for the Chicago Bulls. Wasn't. Wasn't. And so, with that being said, the Bulls decided to take a plunge. They decided that in order for us to go maybe to the next level, in order for us to be a better basketball team, we felt like, you know what, and Elton Brand didn't win the rookie of the year. Oh, he did win the rookie of the year. They won together with Steve Francis, co-rookies of the year, like I said. So it's a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities in terms of the Bulls and the Sixers, where the Sixers had Michael Carter-Williams, who won rookie of the year, who you know had a few triple-doubles and put up decent numbers, not great shooting numbers, but decent numbers. But Elton Brand and Michael Carter-Williams really didn't play around a lot of talent. But ultimately, the Bulls said, let's take a chance. We feel like we can do better. And they traded Elton Brand to get Tyson Chandler. The Sixers, let's take a chance. We felt like we can do better. And they traded Michael Carter-Williams to the Milwaukee Bucks with the hope that maybe if they don't get that number one pick, which would be Jalil Okafor, maybe they can get somebody else. Maybe they can get Emmanuel Moutier who's playing in China, or D'Angelo Russell. Maybe they could get one of those guys. Who knows? But uh, both of those teams felt like they can do better. And because the Bulls felt like they could do better, they traded Elton Brand for Tyson Chandler. And because the Sixers felt like they can do better, Michael Carter-Williams is no longer a Philadelphia 76er. So, this should be interesting. And Carter Williams, I'm interested to see what you look like with some talent around you, man. Sam Hankey, I'm interested to see what you can bring to the table in terms of scouting and drafting. I will give you this. You theoretically got one of the best rookies in Michael Carter Williams. You know, you, you got the kid in Milwaukee, Ante Caputa. I can't even say his name. Jonas. You got the kid in Milwaukee, Jonas, who, who's long, lean, and then looks like he's got a lot of ability and a lot of potential. He's probably going to be the best player in that 2012 draft. Probably. You got all the depots in there. You got Carter Williams. You got him. He's, uh, you know, he's probably going to be the best. Giannis is probably going to be the best player in that draft. When it's all said and done. But you did well there. I'll give you that. You got Carter Williams. You got Norland Noel. And Norland Noel probably would have been the number one pick. Theoretically, you got the number one pick last year in Joel Embiid, who probably would have been the number one pick, but he had the back and he had the foot. So you, you, you seemingly have drafted well. I don't know what Nerlens Noel is going to be, but if you get a Jalil Okafor, obviously Noel's going. But I don't know what he's going to be. I, 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 I'm, is he going to be a Samuel Dallenberg type? You know, a guy who can block shots, athletic, can run the floor, you know, but not much of an offensive player. Is he going to be a, a Theo Ratliff type? A guy who can run the floor, a guy who had a decent jump hook, guy who had a decent uh, straight-ahead jumper, straight-on jumper, decent jumper, not a great jumper, but a guy who can block shots, was very effective, probably would have been a defensive player of the year back in 2001 if he would have stayed healthy. So would, would he, would, will he be that? So I'm not sure what he's going to be. But his offensive game needs a lot of work. He's raw. He is raw like sushi. Raw like sushi. And, and so being that he is raw, like Sushi on the offensive end, you wonder how much he's going to turn around his offensive game. You wonder if his offensive game is ever going to come together. 
And so this plan that Hinkie and the Philadelphia 76ers have put together is an interesting one. But it's a, one, it's a plan that had to, they had to do it. You may not like it, but they had to do it. You may not be on board with it, but they had to do it. I mean, people were complaining about Drew Holiday and the Sixers trading him, which got them known as Noel. Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday wasn't a guy that you were building around. Michael Carter-Williams may not have been a guy you were building around as well. But you made the move, and ultimately now, we'll see what happens. Does this, does this extend the plan, if you will? Does this, this, does this extend the rebuild process for the Sixers? Or does it not? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But we've seen instances where it worked and tanking worked, and we've seen where it didn't work. Boston, when it tanked to get Tim Duncan, didn't work. They got Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer, and the losing continued under Rick Pitino and, and, you know, with the Boston Celtics. The losing continued. The Bulls, they traded a guy in, in Elton Brand, who was 20-10, to get somebody who they thought could be better in Tyson Chandler, a high schooler. And Tyson Chandler's had a solid career. He's had a solid career, but him and Eddie Curry, that didn't work. Didn't work. And it ultimately set the Bulls back for a long period of time. We'll see what happens. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Second hour of Go For It, starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by one of the stars of power, which airs on Stars. Jarrell Lee Wesley will be joining us. We're going to get his thoughts. Jarrell played football in college. Played at the University of Kentucky. We're going to get his thoughts now on what he thought of the Super Bowl. What he thought about Marshawn Lynch and, and the Seattle Seahawks and them not running the football in that particular time. This man played football. This man knows football. He knows the game. So we're going to get his thoughts on that, get his thoughts on the second season of Power that's scheduled to come back this summer. I mean, a lot of people have talked about that show. It was a big-time show. 50 Cent is the executive producer. A lot of people are talking. It's a big-time buzz for Power. And, you know, and people, a lot of people keep talking about Power, and they're expecting big things in that second season. I'm looking forward to big things in the second season of Power, but we're going to talk to Jarrell Lee. Wesley in the second hour. Looking forward to it. Let's go to the NFL now. NFL Combine, right? Well, started, started, and you know, the, obviously the big names that we're waiting for and we're we're looking at. We want to see is Jameis Winston. We want to see what Jameis Winston brings to the table in terms of his drills and everything, throwing and his throwing abilities. We want to see now uh, Mark Marcus Mariota and what he brings to the table in terms of his throwing ability. 
I mean, these guys, and they're 40 times. I mean, I don't know how much we read into 40 times with quarterbacks, but at the same time, we're excited to see. We're interested to see what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's a combine, and, you know, we see a lot of guys in shorts, and we see timers and, and guys getting poked and prodded and, you know, guys getting physicals and guys, you know, we'll see if certain people are injured here or there or what have you. I mean, you know, injuries sometimes come out when, when – we have the combine, and, you know, these kids are tested and whatnot, and, you know, the, we, we come back with certain things. Well, this guy has this and that, and, you know, Jameis Winston, he had a little weakness in his shoulder, but he said he's good. He said he's going to throw tomorrow. So I'm interested to see him throw. I'm interested to see him run. And, you know, you saw the pictures of Jameis, and, you know, he looked a little hefty. You know, it was almost like he was expecting something. It was almost like he forgot his pill or whatnot. I mean, he looked heavy, but you saw his body now, and it seems to be in decent shape. I mean, we're we're not asking him to be a bodybuilder, but, you know, he does seem like he's a guy that could put on weight. He definitely looks like a guy that could put on weight. So he definitely has to watch that part of his game. He's got to watch that part of his life. You know, he's got to keep himself in tip-top shape. Not to be, you know, I mean, you got to be in shape. you got to be prepared to take a pounding. But, you know, you're interested to see that. You're interested to see the 40 times. And, you know, people get drafted all 40 times. You know, you've seen stories of guys who have been combine babies, if you will, where, you know, they, they you know, impressed so much in the combine that, you know, they, they rose up and their stock was risen, you know, very, very high. I mean, you look at uh, Mike Mamola many moons ago. What if he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles? And, you know, him and what he did during the combine and his abilities during the combine and how, you know, what he did in the combine ultimately got drafted, I believe, was eight in 1995, ahead of a, a Hall of Famer, Warren Sapp. So, you know, these combines are big. And this is an opportunity. I mean, you know, you remember Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater and his pro day and, you know, how much, you know, that changed and, and dropped his stock a little bit because, he, he you know, he didn't really have a good pro day. So you, you've seen it. We've seen guys get hurt. We've seen guys get helped by the combine. But, you know, obviously it, this is an opportunity for guys to, to impress, to get in front of coaches, to get in front of GMs, to get in front of scouts and, you know, talk, talk to these guys face-to-face. Scouts, GMs, coaches talking to these guys face-to-face, you know, and guys trying to impress. I mean, it's, it's basically a job interview, if you will. This is a job interview. And we'll see if these guys are ready to handle their job interview. We'll see if these guys are ready to handle their job interview and see if these guys are ready to do what they got to do. Should be interesting. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. It's right around the corner. It was here. And the NFL draft is right around the corner. You know, you wonder who's going first. Is it going to be Winston? Is it going to be Mariota? You know, we'll see what happens there. I'm thinking Winston at this point in time. But you never know what could happen. You know, he could be throwing. They could start throwing. And, you know, guys can start impressing because of the throws. You know, they could be throwing. And, you know, Winston might not look good in Mariota May or vice versa. I mean, if I was going to guess, not guess. I mean, Winston is probably going number one to Tampa. The question of Mariota is a big question because you don't know if Chip Kelly, who coached Mariota 
at Oregon. You don't know if Chip Kelly is going to want to get his hands on Marcus Mariota. You don't know if Chip Kelly is willing to, to do what he has to do to move up and put himself in position to get a Marcus Mariota. We don't know. But, you know, everybody see it, says and is pointing to this is the system that he played in in Oregon. Chip loves him. And a lot of people are saying, you know what, Chip loves him. This is a perfect system for him. He played in in college. He excelled in this system. It makes sense. It makes sense. And we'll see how much sense it makes. We'll see if it does happen. If Mariota, if he does fall, maybe he falls to the Eagles. Or he falls and the Eagles move up and ultimately select him. Maybe. Maybe the Eagles are aggressive and move up and get him. Maybe. Or maybe he's taken number two by the Tennessee Titans. Maybe the Titans take him number two. And, you know, they say forget about it. We're taking him number two. You're not, we're not letting him get past us. But the Titans may believe in Zach Mettenberger. And maybe they believe Zach Mettenberger is their quarterback of the future. I mean, after Tennessee, if Tennessee decides to pass on Mariota, you look at Jacksonville, they have Bortles. You look at Oakland, they have Derek Carr. If he gets past Tennessee, Washington, you got Jay Gruden coming out and saying RG3 is going to be the starter. So you wonder. He's saying RG3 is going to be the starter, Jay Gruden is. Coming into the summer, it's going to be RG3. It's going to be RG3. That should be interesting. That should be truly interesting. We'll see. But if he gets by Tennessee, you wonder now that there's been talks that the Eagles and the Jets have been in discussion with, you know, uh, an opportunity with, they've been talking about it. There's been talk that the Eagles and Jets are, are, are talking about the possibilities of the Eagles moving up and, and selecting Mariota and, you know, giving the Jets a couple picks so they can move up. We'll see. We'll see. But I look at it now. It's going to be interesting where Mariota goes. He gets past Tennessee. becomes interesting at this point, at that point. Do the, do the Eagles try to – Deal with Jacksonville to get up there. Do the Eagles try to deal with Oakland to get up there? They may not need to. Now if somebody else deals with Oakland or Jacksonville to get up there. Or the Eagles make a deal with Tennessee with the thought that Tennessee is okay with their quarterback, that Mettenberger. So there's a lot of things that you know could happen between now and April. A lot of things. And whatever happens, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be watching. We're going to be talking about it. I I do think, you know, these combines are overrated. I do think a lot of these things are overrated. But it is what it is, the system that we have. And so guys are going to have to take advantage of this system. Guys are going to have to take advantage of this chance, this opportunity, the opportunity to impress. I'm interested to see Mariota. I'm interested to see uh, Winston. 
I'm interested to see some of these white, wide receivers, these running backs, Gurley out of Georgia. I'm interested to see him. I mean, I'm interested, man. And we'll see what happens. But the combine and, and you know, start it. And we're going to hopefully see Winston and hopefully see Mariota tomorrow. Oh, not hopefully. We're going to see him. And it should, should be very interesting to see how these guys perform. Should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I want to go to Alex Rodriguez now. We've got Alex Rodriguez who who apologized. And, you know, he felt the need to write an apology letter. Felt the need to tell everybody that he's sorry. Felt the need to tell us that. And, you know, Alex Rodriguez at this point, you know, really, no matter what he says at this point in time, it's kind of hard to believe. It's really hard to believe because, you know, we, we've seen his lies. We've not seen, we've heard his lies over the years. I mean, we, we've heard it all. And so you look at him, you look at his his, his situation. The, the Yankees don't really want him, but they owe him $60 million, so they got to take him. Everybody doesn't believe this guy at this point. No one believes at this point. You know, it is kind of hard to believe him. It's really hard to believe Alex Rodriguez at this point. It's really hard to believe him. I mean, how can you believe him? You can't. He's lied to us so many times. This guy probably has not played, may not have played a single inning clean. May not have had a single inning clean. He may not have played a single clean inning. He's cheated many times. And, you know, to me, I know, you know, you, you want to, I don't know, try to change the court of public opinion about you. But I really think it's too late. I think the court of public opinion, in terms of Alex Rodriguez, has been, you know, they, they've said what they, the, the court of public opinion is, is they're, they're rendered their verdict guilty. The verdict has been rendered in terms of talking about Alex Rodriguez. It, it's been rendered. The, the verdict is guilty. You're not believable at this point in time. You lie once, we can deal with that. You lie twice, maybe we can deal with that. But this guy has lied over and over and over again. And then he writes a beautiful letter, handwritten, decent penmanship for Alex Rodriguez, not bad. Decent penmanship, nice cursive writing. And he says to the fans, I take full responsibility for the mistakes that led to my suspension for the 2014 season. I regret that my actions made the situation worse than it needed to be. And you made it worse, Alex. You kept trying to tell us, going on different places and different situations, kept trying to tell us that you were innocent. You kept trying to tell us that you were innocent. And it was hard for us to believe that you were innocent. It's hard for us to believe that you were innocent. Hard. And you kept telling us over and over and over and over again that 
you were going to take the cords and all this other stuff. To Major League Baseball, the Yankees, the Stripe and the family, the Players Association, and you, the fans, I can only say I'm sorry. I accept the fact that many of you will not believe my apology or anything that I say at this point. I understand why, and that's on me. It was gracious of the Yankees to offer me the use of Yankee Stadium for this apology, but I decided that the next time I am in Yankee Stadium, I should be in pinstripes doing my job, if he still can do his job, after two hip surgeries. We'll see. We shall see. I served the longest suspension in the history of the league for PED use. The commissioner has said the matter is over. The Players Association has said the same. The Yankees have said the next step is to play baseball. I'm ready to put this chapter behind me and play some ball. The game has been my single passion since I was a teenager. When I go to spring training, I will do everything I can to be the best player and teammate possible. Earn a spot on the Yankees and help us win. Those are the words of Alex Rodriguez, who wrote a letter for us. Thought we were going to get a press conference. And maybe they didn't want to stand up to the questions, maybe for legal reasons. You know, he didn't want to incriminate himself or say anything that would get him in any type of trouble. He decided to do that through a letter, not take questions, and essentially try to move on with his life. Try. You know, and hopefully he can. Hopefully he can try to move on with his life. We'll see. I'm interested to see what happens with Alex Rodriguez. I want to see what Alex Rodriguez can bring to the table. I want to see if Alex Rodriguez can make it happen. I want to see it. I don't think the Yankees are betting on Alex Rodriguez. I don't think the Yankees are. They paid Headley a lot of money. I don't think they're banking on Alex Rodriguez. I don't see well, – I mean, I hope he can bring something to the table. I want to see Alex Rodriguez be successful, clean. I want to see what he can do clean. We see what he can do juiced up, 654 home runs, juiced up. Big-time player, MVPs juiced up. I want to see what he can do when he's not on the juice. I want to see what he can be clean, clean. I don't know. We'll see if he can do it clean. We'll see if he can do it successfully clean. But Alex Rodriguez wrote a letter, a beautiful letter at that. And, you know, I don't believe it. I don't think he's sorry. (coughs) I don't think he's sorry at all. He just wrote this letter. To write this letter, pretty much. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I said, the court of public opinion has rendered their decision. The decision is guilty. Alex Rodriguez, nobody believes you. No one believes you. No one believes you. And I'm not sure if anybody will ever believe you moving forward. But we wish you all the best. (coughs) If you're just joining us, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, signed, sealed, delivered, May 2nd, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. That should be fun. That should be exciting. 
and a lot of people are looking forward to that one, including myself. I mean, I I got to admit, when I, when, I, when I saw the announcement, I had chills, man. I had chills running down my spine when I saw the announcement. When I saw the announcement, I was excited. I was absolutely excited. I knew it was coming. I didn't think they were going to let it go this time around. I don't think there was no way they could let it go this time around. They needed each other, and now they have each other. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the stars of power, Jarrell Lee West, Wesley. Excuse me. We're listening. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference oh. to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had. Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but I just don't see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now doing big things with power on stars. I mean, a lot of people are, are, are talking about the show. A lot of people love the show. It's doing big-time ratings. A lot of people love the show, and they're talking about it day in and day out. And let's bring him in now, one of the stars of power, Jarrell Lee Wesley. Jarrell. Paul, oh, what's up, man? How's it going? Where are you, sir? I'm good, man. Excellent. Beautiful day out here in Southern California. For sure. Any day above ground is a beautiful day, and we're above ground, so it's got to be a beautiful day, right? Absolutely. I agree with that, man. Jarrell, let's get right down to it, man. Um, You play football, and you also play baseball at the University of Kentucky, man. How legitimate yeah. were your pro prospects? How legitimate was your, your, your chances to get to the pros? You know, um, football-wise, I didn't realize this now until about my junior year that I probably wasn't going to make it into the NFL. But okay. uh, as a baseball player, man, I was really good. I mean, going all the way back to even way well before high school. Um, I was a great baseball player. Uh, my, my coaches in high school always wanted me to only play two sports, and everybody always told me how good I was in baseball, but it, it, it came easy to me, you know, so I didn't work as hard in baseball until I got to college, and um, so, but I worked very hard in football, and uh, you, you're talking about what were my, how good were my chances, I'll say after my freshman year, I was going back and forth between football and baseball, okay. uh, my, head, my head coach at the time, Keith Madison, he goes, hey man, I, I was having to leave the, the baseball team to go to spring training because they had a new coaching staff for football. And since they paid the bills, I kind of uh, had to go. And as a freshman, as a freshman, Keith Madison goes, hey man, I don't know much about base. I, I don't know much about football, but I know baseball, and I know if you stick with this sport, you're going to play at the next level. 
And so that's what he told me. And I played my that next season of football, man, they, they moved me from running back to linebacker. And what I found out that year, which was like 1996 or 97, can't really remember, playing linebacker, undersized in the SEC, having to hit guys like Jamal Lewis and Robert <laughs> Edwards, man, my shoulders got tore up, man. Every every week I was tore up. I was only like 205 pounds. Okay. But um, then when I went back to baseball, man, after about three days of practice, I, I couldn't throw. You know, so I had, I had done a lot of damage to my rotator cuffs and my um, throwing and my shoulders. And um, so, you know, I continued to play and continued to work through it, man, and I really improved as a baseball player. And um, then things kind of went haywire on the football team, and I stuck around and um, then finally, my, my junior year, I went back and I played against. So I played two seasons of baseball at Kentucky. Um, I went back my junior year and I played, and the coaches were really excited. But once again, I never fixed my shoulders, so I really couldn't throw. So that really limited me, man. And then I finally, my senior year, I had surgery on the shoulder. I had about five or six baseball tryouts um, in that spring and summer. And then after that, man, I was just like, you know, this, this might be it. I just couldn't. I was never the same again. It, it sounds so like really, to me, not to interrupt you, but it sounds like to me, it's almost like a Bo Jackson type uh, situation. Poor man's Bo Jackson type of situation. Bo Jackson, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah, had yeah. the hip. I was like, thanks for putting me in that category. I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> you know, he hurt his hip, and ultimately he wasn't the same. And you know, he went back to baseball, but he really struggled and never was the same type of baseball player or football player for that matter. And you now. You had the shoulder situation, and ultimately you weren't the same type of baseball player. Right, exactly, man. I could always hit. I could always hit, but I just couldn't throw, man, and I was an outfielder. So it was it was really bad even just trying to trying to warm up and things. I just couldn't throw, but um, and that really limited me. And I was, you know, I got I was kind of lost, man, after that because for the first time, you know, I, reality set in where I knew I probably wouldn't play football in the NFL. Didn't really want to. Um, really wanted to pursue baseball, but um, um, you know the damaged shoulders, man. They just they, they they just kept me from doing that. But looking back on it now, I'm glad I went through it all, and it led me to where I am now, man. And I, I would be a totally different person had things not turned out the way they turned out. So uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of where I am and where I'm headed and where I'm going. So, and I'm sitting here talking to you, so that's exciting <laughs> for sure. And let me let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, you play football. You know the sport. You know what mm-hmm. it, you know what it takes to be successful in the game of football. I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl. You know, Seattle and their oh. decision to pass the ball instead of using Marshawn Lynch in that particular situation. How bad of a goal oh, was that? Now, okay. So, first off, let me tell you this also. Right after college, I coached football at Drake University in Iowa. Okay. So I also have a little bit of a coach's mentality. Okay. <laughs> But my very first coach that I remember, Bill Curry, in college, and going all the way, all the way back to my high school coach, Bill Wiles, man, look, we always say, look, if you're going to play football, you've got to be able to run the football, period. So my take is this. You're in that situation. I would have grabbed a megaphone. I would have turned on the PA system. I would have had everybody crank up everything so everybody in the entire world could hear it. And I would say, listen, everybody, we're about to run Marshawn Lynch off tackle right here, right now. And if you stop us, we're going to call a timeout, 
and we're going to grab the megaphone again, and we're going to run it again right here. I would have Russell Wilson point to the place <laughs> he was going to run it and say, you know what, if you can stop me, then damn it, you're a better man than me. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, that, that's yeah. really truly the bottom line. I mean, it was, if anything, if anything, you know, you're a coach, as you said, you've coached. If anything, if you're going to pass the ball to me, it would make sense to do some type of play action. So at least they can, you know, have them thinking about the run. At least have them thinking about the run. But you did a, a straight drop back and, you know, the rest is history. Worst yeah, call you ever seen? Man, it's probably the worst call. But given the situation and, and who you had in, in the backfield, the best running back in the league, man, you could have removed the entire Seattle offensive line and Marshawn Lynch would have got a yard <laughs> by himself, you know. But so given the circumstances, worst call I've ever seen. Now, I, I think, um, you're you know, right. now, so okay, it's you know, in my math, if he threw the ball, and I was going for Seattle because I'm not a Patriots fan, really, because I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm envious okay. of the Patriots. You know, I don't That's like right. anybody running the Cowboys down as far as how many championships we have and all of this, and being America's team. So I was rooting for Seattle. So I was really upset. But if you want to pass in that situation, right? You got Russell Wilson, five eleven quarterback, feel with the offensive line. Now, if you're going to throw a slant route, man, it's going to be a high pass. Now, if you've got Tom Brady, Peyton Manning back there throwing the slant route, it's probably going to be low and down towards the ground where either his receiver is going to catch it or it's going to be an incomplete pass. So it's not that I hate that he didn't run it. It's just if you're going to pass it, man, you got to get out, out on the edges, man, give them some options. For sure. You know, so. But at least if they don't, if, if, if they run some sort of boot or rollout or whatever, on the next down, you got to at least give the beast the ball at least Definitely. once in that situation. So, Definitely. you know, it's just the worst call, man. It's the worst call ever. You know, I, lost some friendly, I lost some friendly bets, man, so my egos <laughs> hurt a little bit, but, you know, I'll get over it. We're talking to one of the stars of power, Jarrell Lee Wesley. Now, you you said you're a cowboy guy, Des Bryant. I mean, we, we saw that was a catch. I mean, he had oh, the ball, man. took three steps. As far as I'm concerned, made a football move to dive to the end zone. You're a Cowboys fan. What was your reaction when you saw that and you saw that it turned out to be an incomplete pass? Oh, man, I went berserk, man. I, I was nervous for 10 minutes, however long it took, man. It seemed like eternity that it took for those refs to come back. I was like, the longer it takes, man, it is not going good. But I was really upset with the call. I wish Dez would have just held on to it knowing the situation, but that's going against his nature of who he is. You know, me and my me and my boys, man, we're all Cowboys fans, fans man. We're always screaming, Dez, get down, man, get down. But it's just not in his nature, you know. But it was a catch. Everybody knows it was a catch. And you turn out, who was it? Was it Shields on him? I can't remember who was, no, I can't remember who was, who, who was covering him. But he even came out and said it was a catch, man. Everybody knows it Come was on, a William. catch. Yeah, oh, Williams, right, right. Shields, is he even on Green Bay anymore? I can't even remember. Doesn't matter. It was a catch, man. I felt the Cowboys at the time was the only team who could beat Seattle in Seattle. We had done it earlier in the year, and obviously Green Bay could have and should have beat them. But I feel like the Cowboys would have went in there, handled business, would have met New England, the most hated team from us Cowboys fans there is in the NFL. So it would have been a perfect matchup, Romo versus Brady, and 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 the Cowboys would have been victorious. I have no doubt in my mind that would have happened. Let's get to something happier for you. Big time buzz <laughs> with power after season one. Did you expect that show to have this much success? 
Let me tell you, I know the writer and creator of the show, Courtney Kemp Agbo. I've known her um, for about 10 years, man. And this woman, this black woman, I must say, you must know this, is a brilliant, brilliant mind. I've known her since she first moved to Los Angeles, started her first show out here, man, and I've seen her just rise in the ranks, man. And and I knew whenever I I was with her whenever she got word that the president of Stars liked her script, and it was a celebration, you know, because at that moment, man, I knew I'm like this woman is going to do big things. She's really smart. Everybody respects her, man. She treats everybody with respect and. I I was hopeful that it would do well. You never know with the show, man. You never know uh, um, how, how you know what type of response you're going to get, you know. But luckily, you know, with Fifty Cent behind it and everything, uh, um, you know, it, it had a great buzz going in. And about the fifth episode in season one, it really picked up its steam. It really found its niche, and it just got better and better and better in the final three episodes. And I'll say about season two, man. Let me tell you. I heard Courtney say this um, in the, in one of her interviews recently, man. They were like, what did you want with season two? And she said she took an Olympic-style motto. She wanted bigger, faster, stronger. And that's <laughs> what I can say about season two, man. If you're a fan of power, season two, man, is going to knock you, going to knock your shoes off, man. It's, it's going to be great. And, and that was pretty much my next question. I mean, we've seen season one, you know, you got ghosts, he's cheating. On his wife, you got Tommy's in love. You got, you know, the club having issues. You got the streets plotting, and mm-hmm. you know, so season two is going to be epic. It's got to be epic, man, right? It's going to, it's going to be epic, man. I think you're going to see some things that you haven't seen on television before this year. Kanan's out of jail, which is played by Fifty Cent, of course. He's out of jail. We saw that in the finale of season one. So all I can say, man, is get ready, strap in tight, man. It's going to be good. It's going to, like I'm excited right now just talking about it. And this this season two is, is going to be amazing. It really is, man. Everyone's excited. Uh, um, you know, we're not sure the exact um, airing of the first show, first date yet this summer, but we know it's coming up, coming back this summer, and I'm I'm really excited. At this point, everything is already shot. Um, they're shooting the finale right now at this okay. moment. Okay. All right. Right. Yep, shooting right. the finale, and so by the end of this month, um, it should be wrapped. We're talking to one of the stars of Power, Jarrell Lee Wesley. Now, you play Victor on Power. Yes. Who is Victor? Tell us about him. Well, Victor, people <laughs> people like to call Victor a thug, but I have a different interpretation of him. He's actually, I call him a street enforcer. That's what he does. <laughs> so I work for Ghost. But I, I, I kind of run some of the hustle in the streets with the sidekick Tommy. So I work under Tommy directly. And But you'll see me with Ghost in season two. You'll see me in some scenes with Ghost. You'll see me in some okay. scenes with Tommy. But um, I kind of handle some of uh, the dope money that he pushes and things like that. That's what I do. I don't step inside the nightclub. I leave that up to him and Tommy. And, um, and me and this other guy who played this character, Julio, Victor and Julio, they 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 do they handle things, the money and the drugs, and make sure everything on the street is running the way it's supposed to be running. Now, have you have fifty fifty? Has he been on set? Have you dealt with Fifty Cent at all? Yeah, I was. Um, I worked with Fifty only in man. 
I've worked in one or two scenes, you know, but I've met I've met fifty. Fifty's really cool, man. He's funny. He's funny. He's very insightful, man. Uh um I don't know if you if you ever follow like his social media, man, he's always posting like these little vines or, or Instagram videos, man. He, he he's a clown, man. He's really funny. <laughs> really smart brother also. Obviously he's backing power and he's in it and um man, he's just um He's a cool dude. My my interactions with him that I've had, I've, I haven't hung out with him or anything. Look, Fifty probably doesn't even know my name. I'm quite sure he doesn't, you know. But um, not yet. But not yet. not not yet. Not yet. We we you know we hold we uh, we hold on. We holding on. You know, I, I'm trying to get to that level, man, so I can you know be riding around with him a little bit. For sure. But um, For sure. but he's a real cool cat, man. Real smart dude. Um. The, the conversation, the times I've been around him is always very interesting and entertaining. So, um, so he's just you know a cool dude to be around. At least the, the few times I've been around him. Now, what else is going on with Terrell Lee Wesley outside of power? Uh man. Well, right now I'm actually I'm in Los Angeles today, but I leave and I go to New York tomorrow. I'm going to uh, be working on Blue Bloods next week, which is a show that's on CBS. And um, I'll be doing some work in there. And in the meantime, man, just still auditioning, trying to hustle, just like most actors, all actors out here, trying to hustle, man, trying to make a living at this um, at this at this career, man, at this thing we call acting. So, um, you know, I got a few big auditions coming up. So, right. you know, to the sky on that, you know, For God sure. willing, man, we'll 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 book something big, and oh, who knows, maybe maybe. Power might decide they want to give me something bigger on there. That'd be great, also. So I like to have options. <laughs> You're so, just trying to get the try to get the power. Trying to trying get to... it, man, and doing some, still doing some writing, man. I got a few writing projects that I've been working on, and um, as well. So and that's exciting. That really, really, there's, there's a fire in the pit of my belly for for a couple of ideas that I have, and hopefully, hopefully we can get a couple of them made. For sure, for sure. You are on Twitter, fans. Make sure you connect with this guy on Twitter at Jarrell Lee Eight and support all the great things going on with Jarrell yes, Lee yes, Wesley. Yes, and sir. Power, you said it's going to come back in the summer. We're expecting the summer, will, correct? Power will be back this summer on Stars on the Stars Network. You can check out season one on the Stars app right now. Also, possibly Stars on Demand. You can check out season. It's a great show. Again, it hit a stride around episode five, man. It's really, it's really, man, it's, we're going to do some big things in season two. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this show. Power or empire? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Honestly, and you know what? And you know what? I'm going to be honest. It's, it's power for sure. And I watch Empire, you know, I support, but they're really two different, they're, they're two different shows. Mm-hmm. I like to call Empire... I call it the hip-hop glee is what I call it. I really call it hip-hop because, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You went out, though. So. Yeah. Okay, so so I call I call Empire, I call it hip-hop, you know, because okay. that's kind of what it is. You really can't get the, the authentic hip-hop uh, lyrics on, on a major network like Fox. 
But right. I watch it, man. There's a lot of drama. You know, it's one big soap opera, I tell you. That's a, it's like, it's like a, I call it like a black dynasty, man. That's what it is, <laughs> you know. It's crazy. But we're doing two different things, man. I know people compare the shows. Right, right. But really, really there's no comparison, man. But power, you know, has so much more leeway to, 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 to develop a story, develop the characters and tell the story where, you know, on a major network, man, they got to move really, really fast. For sure. And throughout each episode, you know. I mean, you look at Empire, man. They got something major going on. They got like five or six major things going on every episode, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, good Lord, like my head feels like it's going to explode sometimes, you know. But I do watch <laughs> it every Wednesday night, so just to support, man. But definitely power, man. For sure, for sure. Jarrell, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing oh, thanks, but the best brother. of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Thank you. Absolutely, man. We'll look forward to it. For sure. Take care. Well, thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, later. Lee Wesley, one of the stars of Power, which airs on Stars, and we'll be back in the summertime. Go back to our top story. Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao is on May 2nd, MGM Grand. Now, I know everybody... The fight's announced. Now you got to try to get tickets. Well, too late. It's sold out. The fight is sold out in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So 15 minutes after Mayweather made the announcement, it was sold out. Sold out. Wow. Gee. My goodness. And that's a fight that everybody wants to see. You, me, your mama, your baby's mama, and everybody else. That's a fight you're going to want to see. It's amazing, man. And, and, you know, you knew that this fight would have this type of juice, this type of, 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 of energy. I mean, I'm, I'm on social media now, and everybody's posting about it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody. You know, and, and, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what will transpire, who will win. And, you know, all I can say is I'll let you know May 1st. May 1st, I'll let you know. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I wonder what the undercard's going to look like. I mean, the really – I mean, it's irrelevant. I mean, it's irrelevant. This undercard could be me against you, me against anybody, this person against that person. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Khloe Kardashian against Amber Rose, actually people might watch that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going to be on the undercard. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Who's going to be on the card, who's fighting, it, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And it's got to be a good day for for his at shots. Got to be a good day for him. A lot of people are downloading that app so they could see when Floyd Mayweather was going to make the announcement. This is great. This is exciting. This is what boxing needs. Boxing needs this. This is the shot in the arm that boxing needs. This is going to shatter all different types of records. This 
is going to have people talking. Can you imagine? This is almost going to – you know what? And the Super Bowl, basically, the end, it's, a, it's a holiday. The Super Bowl is a holiday. And as I look at this fight, this is almost Super Bowl-like. You know how many Mayweather-Pacquiao uh, parties there's going to be? I mean, you, you're going to have the pick of the litter. I mean, you're going to – there's probably going to be parties left and right if you got friends. I'm sure they got friends, and everybody's got friends. There's going to be a bunch of parties. And I said eighty nine ninety nine is what it might cost. At that point, that has not truly been confirmed by anybody. But this is truly amazing. This is epic. And if you love the sport of boxing, you love this. You love this. It's on. And I'm just reading Dan Raphael uh, from ESPN Boxing. I'm just reading some of the things that are in the contract. The weight limit is 147. There is no rematch clause. Each man wears their usual uh, gloves. 60-40 split. I mean, you know, that that's some of the things going on in terms of this fight and some of the things uh, that have been, you know, uh, negotiated. I'd love to see, I mean, even without seeing it, I'd love to see it again. Even without even seeing the fight, I would love to see it again. And there's, oh, man, this is, this is great. This, this is great. I can't, this is great. And Cliff Roll of BoxingScene.com, he just tweeted what I, well, he tweeted 46 minutes ago. I've just seen it now. He tweeted basically what I said. The Mayweather Pacquiao undercard couldn't be more irrelevant. If you order on pay-per-view, you should be doing shots until fight time. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, he posted something else. Mayweather Pacquiao's prominent on Huffington Post, New York Times, and on ESPN, all leads. Real events get free promotion. It used to be like this. And it's, like I said, you know, he, he's tweeting out what I'm saying. You know, you, you can't, this is, like I said, he's, he, boxing, this is boxing's opportunity to shine. This is their opportunity to shine. This, the, the world is watching. The world is watching. Boxing was a major sport many years ago. A major, major sport. And, you know, because of various things, it, it's kind of become a fringe sport in a lot of ways. You know, a niche sport, if you will. It's not dead. It's not dead. Not dead at all. But this is going to be great. It's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to this one. And you could argue that it's too late. It's never too late with this type of fight because they're still top of the sport popularity-wise. They may not be top of the sport. Well, they still are. Still pound-for-pound guys. But their skill levels may not be what it was, but they still can get it done at the highest of levels. And proven they can get it done at the highest of levels. And, you know, this this is it. This will prove whether or not Floyd is truly TBE, the best ever, as he likes to say. This will prove 
as Floyd is, you know, the best pound-for-pound boxer out there. This will prove it. This will show it. I'm looking forward to it, man. Can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Wow. And now, there was a fight on May 2nd. Canelo Alvarez and uh, James Kirkland. Well, that's been kicked off May 2nd. That's going now to May 9th. Cool. No problem. Great. Great fight. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. I'm just trying to figure out the party situation. And I'm going to have something where I'm going, whether I'm going somewhere else, I don't know. But that fight is epic, man. Let's go back to the NBA. And like we said, a lot of trades went down yesterday. Surprisingly, a lot of trades went down. Portland Trailblazers. I mean, you know, they get an Aaron, <clears throat> they get an Aaron Aflalo. And Aaron Aflalo is a guy that can score, can hit the three, decent defender. He's a guy that definitely brings depth to your situation. He brings depth to your situation. Depth to your situation. Excuse me, can't even talk. But obviously, he makes your situation much better. He makes your bench deeper. And that helps. And the Blazers are a team that possibly can get to the NBA Finals. They are a team. They're they're a good team. You know, you got Lillard, you got Aldridge, you got a Wesley Matthews. You you know, you add Aaron Aflalo to that. I mean, they're not going to get the number one spot more than likely, but there's a possibility they can catch Memphis for two, but there's also the possibility that they can get caught by Houston, get caught by the Clippers, get caught by the Mavericks, get caught by the Spurs. And how about OKC? Last night, they beat up on the Mad on the Mavericks, and finally, Oklahoma City is in the eighth and final seed in the Western Conference. And I think they're going to stay there. They're not moving up, but they're going to stay there. And if you're Golden State, wow. Well, I mean, what are they, here's your reward for getting the number one seed in the Western Conference. You get to face off against Kevin Durant. You get to face off against Russell Westbrook. You get to face off against a team that's added some sides in Ennis Kantner from the Utah Jazz. You get a team now that is going to be a difficult out. It's going to be a tough, tough out. They also add Kyle Singler. They add a Kyle Singler. They add an Ennis Kantner. You know, a Steve Novak. You know, guy, you know, I mean, uh, Singler's decent. Novak, he's a three-point specialist. I mean, we'll see what he brings to the table. But you, you've added that now, and wow. I mean, you've all made your situation better. You've, you know, fortified your front line, made that better. So I'm interested to see now what OKC is going to be. But if you're Golden State and you got to see OKC, that is not going to be fun. That's not going to be fun. They also get their hands on DJ Augustine. <coughs> Excuse me. So they're in good shape in Oklahoma City. Excuse me. And they're they're in a situation now where they fortified their bench. They fortified their bench. And now 
Their bench is fortified. DJ Augustine was having a solid season for the Detroit Pistons, and he's a guy that can put the ball in the basket. So you get another guy that can put the ball in the basket. Thingler can shoot the three. Novak can shoot the three. And then you, you got a guy in uh, uh, Kantner who was disenchanted and wanted to get out of uh, Utah. You get a guy now, a good big, a young big, who can, you know, help you out. He's an upgrade over Kendrick Perkins. He's definitely an upgrade over Perk. Perk is in Utah at this point in time, but he's probably going to get balled out. And I wonder where Perk goes. I mean, does Golden State look at a Kendrick Perkins now? I mean, they look at Perkins, you know, being an Andrew Bogut. And, you know, you're never sure about his health. I mean, does that – is that where you go? Do you take a Kendrick Perkins if you're Golden State? I mean, you missed out on Stoudemire. Do you, do you take Perkins? I mean, that's insurance if Bogut is not 100%. Because you need a guy that can bang down low. Say what you will about Perkins. I mean, he's not obviously a guy that's going to, you know, put the ball in the basket for you. But he is a guy that, who can play solid defense, who can rebound the basketball. He has a skill set. His skill set isn't scoring. His skill set is defense. The Golden State wouldn't need him for scoring. They would need him for defense. That would be an interesting situation to, for me if, if Perk would go to Golden State. Maybe Cleveland would want another big there with them. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But Kantner, that's a great acquisition for, the, uh, for OKC. And, you know, Kantner – he wanted out of Utah, and this is a guy, 13 points, almost eight rebounds a game. You know, you, you add that to what you already have, that makes you better. That makes you a better basketball team. That's an upgrade. And so I'm interested to see where it happens. But I'm interested to see what Kendra Perkins lands as well. But OKC, they're in that eighth spot, and being in there, they're in that eighth spot, they ain't leaving. They are not leaving. They're not going up higher, but they're not leaving for sure. Let's go to All-Star Weekend. Uh, that was exciting. All-Star Weekend was exciting. And going into All-Star Weekend, my thing was we're not, we don't have the guys. We don't have the superstars dunking in the dunk contest. And if the, all the superstars was, were in a three-point contest with Curry, with uh, Clay Thompson, with James Harden, with uh, Kyrie Irving. I mean, you had superstars in that three-point shooting contest. Superstars. You had five All-Stars in there. Kyrie, um, you know, uh, you had All-Stars. You know, Kyle Korver, an All-Star. Klay Thompson, an All-Star. You know, All-Star galore. James Harden, All-Star. Kyrie Irving, All-Star. You know, you had All-Stars. All-Stars were a part of the three-point shooting contest. You know, and, and that's impressive. And that star power... That star power, you know, made people, you know, really tune in to the All-Star uh, Saturday night in the three-point contest. That star power brought people, for sure. But we may, we at least a dunking superstar, we may have seen a dunking superstar in Zach Levine. I mean, Zach Levine dunks were sick, ridiculous. He, gli- he was gliding in the air, putting the ball behind his back, reversing. I mean, it was ridiculous. Victor Oladipo, he was solid, too. You know, he had that 540. That was a nice dunk. But it really was about Zach Levine. It was Zach Levine's ninth. And he brought people to the dunk contest. He had people talking about the dunk contest. 
People are talking about the dunk contest because of what Zach Levine brought to the table and what Zach Levine did during All-Star Saturday night. I'm excited. And, you know, he had Andrew Wiggins out there helping him with one of the dunks. I want Andrew Wiggins in there. I want Levine back. I want Wiggins back. You know, I thought Jonas was going to do some decent dunks, but he really didn't bring anything to the table. I wouldn't mind seeing Oladipo come back. But I want Levine. I want Wiggins. I mean, I want those guys in there. And we'll see who else will step up to the plate. But I want those guys, Levine and Wiggins, definitely I want those guys there. And, you know, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, we, we can get some stars in, all, in the slam dunk contest. And, you know, that'll bring it back. That'll have people talking. And I think Zach Levine had people talking. It was a buzz. And I always say, no one does all-star weekend like the NBA. They do it the best. All the all-star games, they're not, you know, the games aren't great. They suck. But no one does it like the NBA. You know, All-Star Saturday night would be better if you had superstars dunking. The three-point contest was a mark was probably the marquee event coming into it, but Zach Levine stole the show. The reason it was a marquee event because stars. You know, and two of the guys in the three-point contest, Harden and Steph Curry, are MVP candidates. So you can't that that kind of star power is beautiful. That kind of star power is lovely. That kind of star power brings audience and, and, and people and has people tweeting and Facebooking and talking about it, Instagramming and vining and so on and so forth. That brings people out. That has people talking about it. Same dunk contest isn't dead. All-Star Saturday night isn't dead. It's fun. It's alive. And hopefully we can get some more guys, some superstars. LeBron said he regrets it. I regret not seeing LeBron. But we'll see. Moving forward, if guys will start coming out there and, and, and dunking in a slam dunk contest. I want to thank Terrell Brown for stopping by of the Oakland Raiders. Go to his website, TerrellBrown.com. Also, I want to thank Dante McCoy, former Illinois State Safety, for stopping by support all the great things with Dante McCoy, support him as he takes his journey to the National Football League. And also I want to thank Jarrell Lee Wesley, one of the stars of Power, which airs on Stars, which is coming back this summer, second season of Power. And also hit him up on Twitter, Jarrell Wesley 8. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go for it camp. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye. Mayweather Pacquiao, y'all.